Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local, sponsored by People's Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce your host of Business Talk. He's editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here is George O'Brien. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of Business Talk. Uh, We have a great show for you today. I can't wait to get to it, but I will for just one second, but we need need to hear this important message from our sponsor, People's Bank. Thank you for listening to the Business Talk podcast, sponsored by People's Bank, bringing you the best in business experts, entrepreneurs, and evangelists. Make Business Talk your innovation break for ideas and inspiration. People's Bank, where commercial banking can fuel your growth and make work life easier. Member FDIC, DIF equal housing lender. Bank at peoples.com slash business. Okay, we are back. And as promised, we have a great show for you today. It is my honor and privilege to have with us U.S. Congressman Richard E. Neal. Congressman, how are you? Great. How are you, George? I'm good. We haven't had you on the podcast yet. I'm remiss for not doing that, uh, but we'll, we'll make up for lost time. We'll have you on uh, today. And like I said, we'll have you on again soon. I, I just wanted to pass along congratulations to your communications director, Margaret Boyle, one of our 40 under 40 winners this year. So we, we hope well, to have Margaret's you there. Terrific. Uh, Margaret's been a terrific uh, advocate in the uh, Springfield office as communications director. She's a great writer and a great reader, and the two go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we hope to have you at our event on June 16th. We know how busy you are, but uh, hopefully you can you can shake loose and join us up at the log cabin. It's going to be a, a great event. So do what I'd be happy to. Yep. Anyway, okay. So again, thank you for joining us. Uh, there's a lot that we can talk about. I want to start and focus mostly on your recent meeting with the governor uh, about East West Rail. That's what it's called, East West Rail. Uh, a lot has, has been said about this meeting uh, and possibly generating some, some progress on this project. Uh, can you tell us, uh, you know, what, how this meeting came about and, and what you think came out of it? Well, I think it was based on long conversations. Uh, I have carefully nurtured the relationship that I have with Governor Baker, and I think that he's been a good friend to Central and Western Massachusetts. And I thought that it was very important for me to overcome some of his skepticism. And part of that, I think, was, again, that uh, opportunity to convince him of the merits of East-West or West-East Rail. And I think over the last four years, as we've gone back and forth and engaged, I presented him with substantial data, information, and evidence, I think, that supported the argument for expanding rail. I also played upon the keen fact that I think is essential, and that is that across Massachusetts, we all paid the price for the big dig. And the big dig was a $16 million project in principle and $6 billion additional dollars in interest, which uh, overwhelmed much of the highway and infrastructure investment that was taking place across Massachusetts and focused and centered it in the city of Boston. We also spend one cent, I believe, on the uh, sales tax that supports the Mass Bay Transportation Authority. So my argument is not about punishing the capital region's transportation authority, because I think obviously it's much needed and the upgrade should take place. But I don't think that in and of itself augurs for leaving the rest of the state behind. So we have continued to pay, I believe that in Berkshire County, their expenditure is $50 million a year through the sales tax to support the MBTA. 
And I think that the pivotal meeting, despite these uh, many, many conversations, uh, the pivotal meeting took place last August Mm -hmm. when I sought a meeting with Governor Baker in his office, and he uh, invited myself, Steve Lynch, Jake Auchincloss, and Seth Moulton uh, to his office to discuss East-West Rail. And what's significant about those three, they are all members of the Infrastructure Committee. So they're going to oversee the expenditure of a pretty handsome inducement of $1.2 trillion in infrastructure spending. I believe in the end, the state of Massachusetts in and of itself is going to receive $9.4 billion in infrastructure spending. And what's important about that, George, is that that is not a substitute for the regular expenditure of infrastructure money. It's in addition to regular infrastructure spending. So it would be hard to make the argument that there is not sufficient money to accomplish expanded east-west rail, or as I call it, improved passenger service. Okay. So we had this meeting. Talk. What was the nature of the governor's skepticism about east-west rail? Well, I think obviously it's expense, and he also highlighted to me a couple of times in conversations he was concerned about the necessary land takings that would have to occur uh, from Worcester to Pittsfield. And uh, I think that I was able to assuage some of his fears by suggesting that uh, from Worcester to Springfield, there's rail that just has to be improved. And I highlighted again the success of the North-South Rail Initiative, which we undertook. And as you note, Amtrak is going to continue to expand in the Northeast Corridor, and they have $66 billion of additional funding for that very purpose. So East-West Rail would be, I think, uh, reinforced by North-South Rail. And the North-South, you know, we have now, I believe, 12 trains a day that go from uh, Springfield to Hartford, and then another 16 that go from Hartford to New Haven. People have taken advantage of it. It's a very comfortable way to, to uh, travel, and I've used it uh, a number of times. Can you slice through the information that you provided to the governor to, to try to persuade him about the importance of this, not just to this region, but to the state itself? Can you share with us some well, of that? I use the, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I use the example of, first of all, housing costs in the eastern part of the state. They're, in some cases, almost double the average price of a home in central or western Massachusetts. So you could live a very comfortable lifestyle here in western Mass. We've all learned these new lessons of remote uh, work as well through the pandemic. And at the same time, you could have a substantial home here in the Pioneer Valley or western Massachusetts. Uh, for half the price that you do in the city of Boston. So that was one, I think, uh, important factor. But the second emphasis that we had were the number of competing studies that had been offered by the uh, State Transportation Department. And I want to say some good words about the Pioneer Valley Planning Authority because they have regularly provided us with data that indicates that the plan that we have suggested and proposed uh, is entirely workable. Interesting. So... The governor's approval, not his approval, his, his backing of this project, uh, it, it comes eight months before he's due to leave office. Is this too little, too late, or do we still have enough yeah, time? I to, next, to move? Yeah, I think the next pivotal moment here is, is the bond authorization is put in place now, which I believe will occur before the end of July. We are asking that the state legislators uh, put in place a workable transportation authority to oversee what we want to do. So that way you could induce, again, the expenditure and the investment, but have something similar to the MBTA board in Boston. 
The governor, I think, correctly objected to the idea that the MBTA be put in charge of uh, East-West Rail and West-East Rail because he thought that the MBTA has enough problems of its own mm-hmm. and it's going to require considerable focus as the uh, coming years will dictate. But I think that uh, what was important here was we set up the framework with local legislators. The turnout was extraordinary, George. Virtually every state representative and state senator across Western and many in central Massachusetts showed up for the meeting, most of them in person, uh, some uh, through Zoom. But I was very, very pleased and they all made a pretty unambiguous request of the governor to proceed. And I thought that they did a really nice job. Okay. You're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local and sponsored by People's Bank. Uh, we are talking today with Congressman Richard E. Neal. Uh, we're talking about East-West Rail and uh, the meeting with the governor and others uh, a few weeks back to see if we can get some momentum on this project. So does this proposal have the backing of the rest of the legislators in this state? I mean, having the governor's support is one thing. Uh, now it's in the hands of the legislature. Um, we've seen. Well, I think it has that support, but I also would go so far as to say having support of the governor is everything. Okay. And I would note that the uh, the two uh, successors on the Democratic side have both offered support for East-West Rail. Our two senators support East-West Rail, and the legislative delegation, as I just pointed out, they suggested uh, through Moulton, Lynch, and Auchincloss that because the big dig absorbed so much of the investment of public uh, expenditure through those years of uh, uh, exhaustive uh, efforts, that we instead uh, now believe that there ought to be some regional equity and we want to have East-West Rail done. Union Station, George, becomes the pivotal geographic location for this endeavor because North-South is working fine. And, you know, we use the money from 208 that was uh, put in place for infrastructure with two governors, Governor Baker and Governor Patrick, for Northwest Rail. Governors of Connecticut, they also embraced the concept and they made it successful. So I think that East-West Rail, all it has to do is adopt the model that we've utilized in other places and let's embrace it. Okay. As far as the federal money available, uh, $9 billion. Uh, what are other priorities? What are other projects that are going to contend for those monies at this point? Well, I sought the input from local communities. And so we're going to be utilizing some of that money in the early stages for other investments. And I made sure that geographically across the first congressional district that those dollars would be expended over what I consider long-term investment. I think that's creating the ease with which we move from one point to another ought to be essential as it relates to infrastructure money. And in addition, uh, now we will begin the process once uh, the Department of Transportation at the federal level, once they lay out the guidelines, or as we call it, guidance for the expenditure, and then the state can apply for the money. The Department of Transportation here in Massachusetts, they will have enormous influence on this process because the money that we did at the federal level actually comes to the state for determined expenditure. So the governor is very, very pivotal here. He has uh, been, as you know, he traveled here to talk about this. He was on Cape Cod talking about replacing the two bridges. So this is a very lofty time for public expenditure as it relates to infrastructure. And the country desperately needed it. 
And let me applaud Joe Biden because I think he was right on target with what he did. Mm-hmm. It was also bipartisan in its achievement. Okay, well, it seems like more of the factors are coming into place uh, and certainly we had a year ago or two years ago. The, the money now seems to be in place. The backing seems to be in place. Walk us through uh, what, what needs to happen over the next several months. Uh, for well, this we had another big finally uh, move victory just, you know, we had another big victory just two weeks ago, George, and that was when the Surface Transportation Board, at my urging, decided that they would uh, request a series of requirements from uh, CSX Rail as they sought right. to uh, purchase Pan Am. I used that potential opposition to leverage a lot of what I wanted for East-West Rail. I said that they had to begin to acknowledge that, that Amtrak was going to have to share that track. And on the, I think, the seven or eight requests that we made, all of them were honored by the Surface Transportation Board and acceded to by CSX. That was a big, big deal. So again, what happens now and, and, and what, are the, what are the next steps in this process? Well, I think the next step is now to have the state legislature set up the rail authority. I think that that's the next important milestone. So with that approval, again, uh, project best case scenario. Uh, When could we actually uh, start to see a project like this? When could we see work begin on a project like this? Well, that's, that's hard to say in terms of the prediction, but I think that one of the things that we can say is that I would like to have the groundbreaking done while Charlie Baker's governor. That would certainly be ambitious. Uh, any reason why that couldn't happen? What are the, the big obstacles? What could get in the way? Here? I think once he signs the authorization for uh, the rail authority to oversee what it is that we envision, I think that that puts all the players in place. And I think that then we can proceed with the actual plan of, in terms of investment. So what do you think this will eventually do for Western Massachusetts beyond the opportunity for people to work in this region, I'm sorry, to live in this region and work anywhere they want, uh, including the eastern part of the state. Uh, Large employers have already indicated they would like to see this plan proceed. Mass Mutual is one of the leaders on this. They've indicated that they embrace this plan a thousand percent. And I think that we're still talking about one of the reminders that I always have when I talk to the governor, again, a very good relationship. One of the items that I always raise with him is, uh, Governor, have you ever sat in traffic at the Sturbridge exit? <laughs> and that is the sort of anecdote that becomes powerful because anybody who's done that, you know that simply relying upon uh, building more highway is not going to work. So I think that this addresses climate change, and I think that it also addresses the opportunity for further improvements in our transportation system west of Worcester. Are the stars ever going to align like this again for this project? I mean, I, that's why. That's I, a great point because I, I don't think they do. And, and I'm going to say this as well. I think that the CARES Act that uh, the Ways and Means Committee wrote most of, I think that the HEROES Act and the President's Rescue Package, uh, which the Ways and Means Committee wrote, they saved the American economy. I mean, the idea that we cannot connect the dots on those three accomplishments is wild. When you consider that the unemployment rate, when Dr. Fauci issued his warning on March 11th of 2020, as to what was coming, in just a matter of three months, we lost 22 million jobs. All of those jobs have now been reclaimed, coupled with the fact that we have 11.5 million jobs in America that go unanswered right now. And I call that up to point out the resiliency of the American economy, 
not to miss the point that it was the action swiftly of the federal government that put the economy back on a steady course. So Speaker Pelosi and I, along with Secretary Mnuchin in the previous administration, we wrote the CARES Act in eight days. We simultaneously created supply and demand. We made sure that people at the lower end of the economic scale, that they were able to access uh, money for day-to-day needs as the pandemic shut down the country. So, I mean, I think that uh, when you mentioned the stars aligning, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think in the transportation world, it's not going to come this way again. The state of Massachusetts is awash in money. Well, we've seen that. So, Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Congressman. I know you got uh, other things to do today, so I'll let you get back to them. Did, did, yeah. Did you want to mention Margaret Boyle? Uh, we did at the okay. top, but we'll mention her again. Uh, she is one of our uh, 40 yeah. under 40 winners for this year. We're, we're happy to, to have her in that group. And, and like I said, we hope to have you with the log cabin on June 16th. Uh, maybe we'll let you uh, present her award to her. If, uh, She's a very important part of my local uh, effort here. And as I noted, good readers make for good writers. She's got it all. Yes, they do. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Congressman. We'll have on you again soon. Thanks, George. Okay. Thank you again. This has been another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local and sponsored by People's Bank. We'll see you next time.